So we've been talking about reclaiming community. And the first week, Matt kind of talked about the need for community and how things have changed over the last few years and it's been more difficult to have community. And then week two, we talked about the obstacles, some of the things that get in our way of having community. And he had this quote that said, gathering encourages me to follow, but our community helps us to follow through. And I spent some time on that today. And I was thinking scripturally, where does that tie in? How do we see that in scripture? And it, it's everywhere. So we look at a few of the example stories that a lot of us know and are familiar with. So David and Moses, they were following God, where they followed through to affect civilizations, right? Jonah reluctantly followed through. He was voluntold, right, <laughs> to follow through and impact an entire people group, an entire people group that he wanted nothing to do with and that he was mad about but God still used him to do that. Peter and Cornelius, Peter used, God used Peter's follow-through to impact an entire family. The good Samaritan used his follow-through to impact one life tremendously, to save a life. And Paul's epistles, like they're all written to churches, to communities, to make an impact, to follow through on what God had told him to do. So, Matt also had this term, and I've made it easier with an acronym for everybody so we can remember it and just keep it. So to what, you're not going to have to go back to the, to the, ser to the sermon. You're, it's going to be there. Joy-filled, commissioning experience in Christ-centered community. The J-F-E-M-E-I-C-C-C. -E -C -C. See? It flows. It's got to flow. And that's, we just want to make it easy for y'all and for me by using the acronym. So joy-filled means it brings us joy. Joy isn't a word that we just use at Christmas. Joy is something that's available to us all year long, right? Co-missioning experience. We're working together. We're co-laborers doing this together in Christ-centered community. We're doing it because of him. We're doing it for him. So in Romans 12... Verses 3 through 6 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as your bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts, for doing certain, certain things well. So verse 3 there talks about doing an evaluation of yourself. So that evaluation could tie in very well with Matt's message last week about the obstacles, like evaluating what are the things getting in the way, in the way of me doing community well. And then verses 4 and 5 say we have a special function. We have a job to do. We have a co-missioning experience to take part in in our Christ-centered community. And we look at why we're doing that. In Hebrews 10.25, Matt shared this verse as well during the series. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I love Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage each other as long as it is called today. So if it's today, do it. At midnight, it's today again. Do it. Encourage one another. Because Christ-centered community isn't just an ask, it's kind of a warning here. He's saying don't neglect it. Neglecting it isn't what he has for us. It isn't what's best for us.
So we have to reclaim it. That's what the, story, the series has been about, right? So when I looked at the definition of reclaim, there's a couple that stuck out to me. To retrieve or recover something previously lost and to take back something that was yours. So if it was previously lost, we had it. Like we know it was ours and we're getting it back, right? To take it, to call it back, like we're restoring it. We knew what it was. But maybe reclaiming isn't where you're at because maybe you've never had that type of community. You can't reclaim something you've never had. Like I, if I need a shirt, I can't just go to the airport and go to the luggage area and just grab a shirt. It's not mine to reclaim. It was never mine. And that was me for years. Like I didn't really know community. I had friends. I'd hang out, but I wasn't claiming community. Not, not the way I am now. So I changed the title slide a little bit and took out the re, because maybe you're in a spot where you can't reclaim community. Maybe you have to claim it for the first time. So as I was thinking through that this week, so some of us thankfully can reclaim it. Some of you in the room are claiming it already, and we're gonna have some examples of that here in a minute. But I'm, I'm a visual person, I like to use illustrations. And I was like, what picture really demonstrates what not having community. The person that needs to claim community, the person that doesn't have it, what's one picture that would explain that the best? And I came up with this one. <laughs> what screams I don't have community in this picture to you? <laughs> the haircut? This was pre-mullet, so thankfully, pre-mullet. The cummerbund's a big strong player. The white tux, strong player, right? Um, if anybody trying to take pictures, your cameras will not work. Um, how about my prom date who's pictured here? <laughs> yeah, that's really good too. So that was an isolated kid. That was a kid that didn't have community. So the lack of community can feel like I looked. Like it can feel like that. So let's talk about claiming community for a minute. So to claim something is to take as the rightful owner or the assertion of something that has been in doubt. So to take it as the rightful owner, you have a right to it. We all have a right to it. We're going to share some examples in Scripture of how God designed us for that. So we have a right to it. But then, doubting it. You doubt that you can have it for the first time. So there was a quote from John Mark Comer that I ran across this week that I want to share with you all that I thought summed this up really well. It says, we need community to thrive. The devil is just as aware of our need for community as we are, if not more so. And he uses that awareness to gain the upper hand in the fight, doing all he can to cut us off from community with God's people and from himself. Anyone felt cut off from community, especially in the last few years? Anyone see how the enemies may be working against you to cut you off from community? So you, you have the enemy, then you have school, and work, and finances, and sports, all these other distractions. All good things, but all things that can cut us off. So has anyone ever seen the show Alone? Raise your hands real quick. A few people. So the show Alone, they take 10 people, put them in the middle of nowhere, usually somewhere very cold. Matt would love it. <laughs> and they see who can survive the longest, and whoever wins gets $500,000. So the, 
The person that won in the shortest number of days that lasted longest was 56 days. One guy who did some crazy stuff lasted 100 days. So, so if you can't make it, the way people get off of the show is they tap out. And there's a few reasons you could tap out. You could tap out for physical reasons. You could tap out for medical reasons, like the, the medical team says, hey, this isn't healthy for you, we'll take you out. Or you could tap out for emotional reasons. So in eight seasons, so let me clarify for a second. The, the first couple weeks, some people bail pretty quick. Like there was one first night that brother saw a bear by his tent, out one day. So he hurt the average <laughs> a little bit. But when you just look at the ones that left for emotional reasons, so the lacking of community, the missing spouse, the missing family, the straight up loneliness, 39% of the men that tapped out left for emotional reasons. 21% of the women that tapped out left for emotional reasons. Also, the women, those women, on average, lasted 41 days. The men lasted 27 days, the ones that tapped out. So I'm speaking to the guys in here real quick. Maybe we need more community, more than we think we do. When we take out the distractions, when it's just us and our thoughts, maybe we need more than we're letting ourselves believe. C.S. Lewis has a really cool quote. And I just ran across this one for the first time this week. Friendship is unnecessary like philosophy, like art. We'll add ballet. It has no survival value rather than one of those things that give value to survival. So a lot of things give value to survival, but you don't need them. You don't need air conditioning. You can survive without it. You don't need indoor plumbing, but it's pretty great. You don't need socks. But the, things like that, and things like community make surviving more survivable. They make it more enjoyable, make it easier to endure. And it can also be influenced by others. Your ability to do that can be influenced by others. And I want to show you an example in Paul's letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.15 says, As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Phagellus and Hermogenes. You would think a dude with a name like Phagellus would be trying to get more friends, but they, he deserted Paul. And Paul had a reason to give up, right? Paul's in prison. That's the definition of being abandoned, of being deserted. That's as lonely as lonely gets. You're in prison, the attention you're getting, you don't want. So maybe, have you ever felt deserted? Have you ever felt deserted by your family, by one person, by everyone? Like Paul in this verse. It could be easier to choose isolation, even if we're not in prison. So the very next verse, though, 2 Timothy 1.16, says, May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family, because he often visited and encouraged me. Paul prayed for kindness for him and his family. Paul, from prison, was seeking community. And the rest of the verse, Paul says, Onesiphorus wasn't ashamed of my chains. He got to know Paul, and he didn't let the fact that he was in prison stop him from going and being in community. And he said, Onesiphorus refreshed me. When's the last time someone refreshed you, that you felt refreshed? So as we look at the word, the name, Onesiphorus, I'm going to have our students participate real quick. If you all don't know, the students all sit in one row, like it's this whole separate church thing. So I'm going to have you all try to say Onesiphorus real quick. One, two, three. 
no dedication at all. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> so if you have a word that you come across in the Bible that you don't know how to, you don't know how to say it, you go to YouTube. There's a deal with this cool radio voice, and he'll help you with it, and he'll help you say it on surface. But what he did was, how was what he did beneficial? How did he help Paul? He visited and encouraged a man in prison. He made the effort. It probably inconvenienced him. It says he had a family. This dude's going to meet, visit with, and encourage Paul. As a matter of fact, verse 17 says, Paul says, Onesiphorus searched everywhere until he found me. That's a guy going after community, right? So let's, well, we're having fun with that name. Let's make it a verb. Who are you onsiphering? Who has onsiphered you? Who are you visiting and encouraging? I'll give you some examples of stuff that are happen, happening under our roof here in a little bit. Who's visited and encouraged you? Does someone come to mind, whether someone you need to encourage or someone that's encouraged you? And I won't be offended. Get your phone out right now and text them. Let them know you're an encouragement to me. Let them know, hey, I want to encourage you today in whatever that is. Write it down. Text them. Take advantage of it. Jump on it. So how do we do this right? Or maybe not right, it's hard to do everything right. How do we do this better? So I'm part of an organization called For Charlotte, and they bring leaders and pastors together throughout our city, throughout our county, to serve the community, combine the resources of community leaders and churches and church leaders to serve our city. They help with homelessness. They, they pray for our city. They help our schools. They do a ton of things. And I was in a meeting with them this week, and I came across this principle that I'm going to borrow from them, the community how-tos. They didn't call it that, but I thought it fit really well in with our series. The great commandment, the great, the great compassion, the great commission, and the great collaboration. We'll start with the first one, love, the great commandment. To love God your, your neighbor, and your neighbor as yourself. So the familiar scripture to that is Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. And it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The commandment is to love. God first, then your neighbor. And if you're wondering who's your neighbor, you could jump over to Luke 10 and take a look and Jesus tell us who our neighbor is. If you're thinking, hey, is that guy my neighbor? Yep, neighbor, promise. <laughs> the next one is the great compassion. And the great compassion is serving those on the margins and in need. And that's going to be our read-along scripture today. So if you have a Bible app or your Bible, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT um, version. But on these scripture cards that are on your seats, they have all the scriptures that we're referring to today. But then the, the one that we're going to do right now is highlighted, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. This is the NLT, or it's Matt's Bible. It may be the CIV, Canadian International Version. I don't know. We'll see here in a minute. If there's some A's in here, we'll know why. All right. So verse, starting with verse 31 of Matthew 25. But when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will go to those and say on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will return to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he'll answer, I'll tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. And then we'll go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Those verses are about onesiphering. They're about showing compassion. And it changes the way we serve others when we step back and remember that we're serving him. The next one is to make disciples. The Great Commission. To make disciples of Jesus. And the, the verses that go with that are Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So love, serve, like those make sense. We've heard those before. Making disciples was one that used to really intimidate me. A lot. That sounds a lot harder than loving and, or serving somebody. And then he says you have to teach them. So if I'm going to teach someone something, I have to know it first, right? So if I'm going to invest in making new disciples, I need to seek discipleship myself and learn enough to be able to teach someone else. And then he gives us the encouragement, I'm always with you. So you have these divine appointments, you have these Holy Spirit moments, and we have to look for them, but then we have to seize them. It happens in relationships, and relationships can happen and start in a moment. And we have, the, we have to recognize that. The fourth one is the great collaboration. To live out this mission together in the unity that Jesus prayed for and commanded for his church, that Jesus prayed for and commanded of his church. John 17 Verses 20 through 23 says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for, who will, will, for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you and I are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them 
as much as you love me. These are some of my favorite verses in Scripture. Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for us. And he calls for something we don't see that often anymore. Unity. Being one. Doing it together. His prayer is that we are one so the world will know him through us. We get to do that. So when we look at our reclaimed community graphic. Anybody want to take a swing at the acronym? <laughs> Joy-filled, commissioning experience in Christ-centered community. See how it flows? It really does flow. <laughs> how do we do it? How do we get there? So I want to share this with you, the community how-tos that we've talked about. Love the great commandment, loving God, loving our neighbor, serving those in need, the great compassion, making disciples, the great commission, and doing it together, the great collaboration. Yeah, that's a lot. And no, it's not going to be easy. But when we do it, his plan comes together. And this is what it looks like when his plan comes together. So whether you're reclaiming community that you had before, whether it was two years ago or ten years ago, or you're claiming it for the first time because you've not been able to experience it before. It can seem hard to visualize. It can seem impossible at times. But these verses in Revelation, Revelation 21, 1 through 5, give us a glimpse of what community is going to look like one day. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So this is the ultimate example of community that we'll see one day. Living with God, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, forever. So we're not there yet but we can see glimpses of it here. The team that was in Honduras in July, so Journey Church, our non-denominational non family, went with Grace Church Charlotte, who is not Grace Covenant, but Grace Church Charlotte. I would call them Baptocostal. <laughs> Pastor Theo and Pastor Patrice, who some of you may know. A couple of folks from their church went. And then we're down there worshiping with Roca de Salvacion, which is a Spanish-speaking church in Honduras that is very Pentecostal. So we have these three groups together. We have two different languages. But by about Wednesday of that week, it wasn't three churches anymore. It was one church. It was the Church of Jesus Christ. People from different backgrounds, people that were different colors, people with different um, faith backgrounds. It was one church serving together, and it was beautiful. You don't have to go to Honduras to experience that either. We can be one church here. 
So as I was thinking about catching people doing community in action, so as I was thinking about the message, I was like, what are some examples here we have at Journey? And I didn't have to look because they came to me. I want to share two recent examples of community in action here at Journey. And I, thankfully, several of us had a front row seat to both of them. So Mark and Diana Swenson, longtime members here at Journey. You may see Mark doing security over at Kid Street from time to time. So Mark had to have an emergent surgery, emergent heart surgery, and more surgery than they planned on him having in the first place. So they were very concerned, but they let their community know. And they let their church know. And their community responded. And their church responded. Diana gave me permission to share this text that she sent to Pastor Matt. Your prayer brought Jesus from heaven to our midst. I felt his presence. It was undeniable. I will be journaling the times I now see over the past few months how nothing has happened that wasn't first filtered through God's hands. When a person experiences community in action, it's heaven on earth the way he meant it to be. So one thing you need to know about this text, I didn't reach out to Diana and say, hey, work community in action into a text for me so I could share it. No, that was her text. And there's a slide about community in action because of her text, not the other way around. She shared this just to share it and gave me permission to share it with you all today. But an important thing about this is the Swensons experienced community in action because they invested in community. They let themselves be known. They found themselves on the receiving end of that, what they would have done for anyone in their community. They got calls. I was at their house Friday. They have cards all over the table. Like, they can't use their table. There's so many cards. There was a group of 11 of us in Peru. Journey's reach through prayer exceeded boundaries. We're praying in Peru for the Swenson family. There's visits. There's meals. Community in action. And then heaven on earth. Diana's words, not mine. A glimpse of revelation. The other story I want to share is uh, John Campbell and Carol Parker, fairly new members to Journey just in the past six months or so. Um, John had a significant cardiac event um, right after one of our men's gatherings. Um, he passed away suddenly about a month ago after that event. Um, and there was an emergent situation that a few people were able to respond to immediately and try to stabilize them and get more help there. But then there were visits to Miss Carol. There was yard work done at her home because the man she loved was in the hospital. There were meals. There were prayer. The, the church family that they adopted, and we adopted them maybe, about six months ago, we were able to do their funeral. Matt was able to do the funeral for them. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. A wonderful, like, long-term example with the Swensons and short-term example with Carol and John. And I want to share... Carol gave me permission to share her text as well. My heart feels like everyone at Journey surrounds me with love and support, and I never feel I will walk this path alone. How great is that? The church community has lifted me up and given me absolute hope. I didn't ask her to work absolute hope in there either. She just did it. One time when she called me from the hospital, 
I said, what do you need? She goes, I only need one thing. I said, what? She said, an absolute hope shirt. I was like, I bet you need something else, but you're getting an absolute hope shirt. And we did a delivery of an absolute hope shirt. So amen to Miss Carol. So now what? What do we do now? We have a blueprint, the one I shared with you through Scripture. We have examples of community in action here at Journey. And then we have several people caught on a ciphering, right? Use that in a sentence later today. So the, connect, the formula for connectedness, how we get more connected, because connectedness is what we need for community. That's, that's the root of community, being connected. We can have breadth and depth, but they need to work together. So when you have breadth, you have availability. Like I do a bunch, you could do a bunch of things. But if you're not being vulnerable, if you're not really being known, you're not truly being connected. Or if you went deep and you were vulnerable once about one thing, amen, that's great, and that's a great first step. But if you have more to share, 99% known is still not known. And if you're vulnerable for a bit, but you're not available, you're not truly connected. So the challenge is making yourself available and being vulnerable. And for some of us, neither one of those. One maybe, but for some of us, neither one of those are a natural response. So as we're going to wrap up here in a minute, I have some next steps for us to take. So I have some steps for you to take next month. I have some steps for you to take this week. And I have a couple steps you could take today. So the first one, Matt talked about serve day. We get to love and serve our community together. We don't really have a slogan for serve day, but that might be it. Love and serve our community together. And then while we're doing that, we're getting connected. And while we're getting connected, maybe we're making disciples. Maybe we're doing the whole thing. A serve day is certainly an opportunity to do that. So lots of organizations still available. If you're a parent or if you're a, someone in middle or high school, as I look at the sixth row, we need some sign-ups for Torrance Creek. We have 99 people signed up for Serve Day, so very good journey. Very happy about that. Torrance Creek is the one place we need. To, there's still multiple spots available, but um, Torrance Creek is one of the bigger needs we have right now. But very excited about Serve Day and the opportunity to love and serve together. Next is our groups. We have our men's groups. We have women's groups. We have some co-ed groups. So the men, we have a retreat coming up in just a couple weeks. We have 26 people signed up. We have four more spots available if anybody is interested in jumping on that. So uh, the registration is going to close at the end of next week, but very excited about that. We have a Bible study on Wednesday morning here at Journey. We have one at New York Bay on exit 23 on Friday mornings. Going to have other events coming up the rest of this year. The, the ladies of Journey meet at the gathering, but they also have had some special events this summer that I've heard great feedback about and that are really, really well received and more events coming your way soon for the ladies. And then just groups, if you're interested in groups, we'll be launching some new groups. We'll be opening some groups that, are, that had been closed next month. We'll have some new groups that are starting, but maybe you've had something on your heart, some, something you wanted to study, or maybe you're interested in leading a group. Let's grab coffee and talk about that. Mike at thejourneyonline.com. Drop me a line. I'd love to talk to you about it. The next one, the other thing you could do today is the Bible plan that we do. So on the back of these cards, on the back of the scripture card, there's a QR code. 
A lot of you have already done this. Actually, 203 of you have done this. I checked this morning. But you can hit the QR code, and it makes Journey your church. It doesn't give us access to your mail or your social security number or anything like that. It just makes Journey your church in the Bible app, which you can undo at any point. That's fine. But when you do that, we'll send you an email to friend you within the Bible app. And then at 2 o'clock today, we're going to launch our new series, our, our new study, Becoming Like Jesus Community. It's a five-day study, so if you haven't done it before, it goes through a devotional, it shares some scripture, and then when we do it as a community, it has a text portion where we can actually see each other's replies and how, and how that scripture, how that devotion touched us and what our thoughts are. And we could be community from our workplace, from our homes. It's a really cool opportunity. One of the things that have really encouraged me about that is some of our students that have taken part in it and some of the insights that they've been able to share in the Bible app that I probably wouldn't have heard about otherwise. So it's been really cool, a really cool way for us to be a church when we're not here on Sunday. So the other one we have, so on all your chairs or in the pocket in front of you, there's a hello, my name is name tag. I'm going to ask everyone to write their name on that real quick. There should be pens there as well. So sometimes community, sometimes connectivity is as simple as knowing someone else's name. So you ever, it's probably just me, but you know how, hey, nice to meet you, John. Two seconds later, no idea what that dude's name is. Let's, let's eliminate that today. Let's put your name on a name tag and leave here today knowing someone that you didn't know yesterday. Meet one more person today. And to make it even easier, we put together a little community table you'll see when you walk outside right after service. So we have some snacks there for you. Um, would love to, to stop at the community table, get to know each other a little bit, meet someone new, and maybe next week you know one more person. How great would that be? I used to work at a doctor's office and had 30 employees and 10 doctors and everybody working together, and someone would come up to me and goes, oh, is she new? She's been here for a year. <laughs> like, you're, and, the, and we wore name tags. But take the opportunity to meet someone new today. So we're going to close out this morning. We're going to share a video that was shared by Mark and Diana Swenson. So before you see it, like we didn't ask them to prepare that for this Sunday. We didn't say, hey, we really want to have a video of you at the end. They sent this to their community. And then I was fortunate enough to have them email it to me. And Diana was the first one to say she wanted nothing to do with technology. You know it's the Holy Spirit when Diana Swenson is going to make videos to post online and to share with people through text, right? So they sent it to their community, the community that they claimed a long time ago. And I can't really say it better than they did, so I'm going to let them share. Uh, totally around the doctor's uh, 
Let's give Journey Church a round of applause, and also let's do just some hand praise for the Swensons doing so well and Mark getting through surgery. (laughs) Amen, amen. So with that, I'm going to pass it over to go to announcements. Let us pray us out, and thank you so much for being part of this community series. Again, Mike at thejourneyonline.com if you want to touch base with me and talk more about community. I'm all in. Father God, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for bringing this group of people together. We ask that you meet each person here, whether you're watching online or in person, Father. Ask that you meet us where we're at from a community perspective. Help us to see the right portal of entry for us, for us to take the next step, whether we're claiming community for the first time or reclaiming it and remembering what we had. It's what you designed for us, Father, and we want that. We We want to follow your great commandment. We want to have your great compassion. We want to follow your great commission. And we want to do it through your great collaboration, Father. Thank you so much. In your holy name we pray. Amen.